0: If you went on a
1: road trip and you didn't stop for a Big Mac, or drop a crispy fry between the car seats, or use your McDonald's bag as a placemat, then that wasn't a road trip. It was just a really long drive. At participating McDonald's. If you are thinking, I should go for a run today, but it looks like it could rain. Sierra says, save on epic rain jackets. If you're also thinking, but I can't go out in these beat up old running shoes. Sierra says, save on top brand running shoes. And if you're still thinking, but I'm also busy performing brain surgery, well, then we say, you really should have led with that. Sierra, let's get moving to your local store, like now. Go! Hello, and welcome to the BBC Country Farm Magazine podcast the podcast that takes you on great escapes into the British countryside, chats to fascinating rural folk, and asks curious questions about the big issues. My name is Fergus Collins, the magazine's editor, and in this episode, I head to the RSPB's Nags Head Nature Reserve in the Forest of Dean in Gloucestershire. Here, for an autumn walk, I met up with Sarah Orm from In The Moment magazine to talk about mental health and how nature and the outdoors can help us all cope with our busy and often stressful lives. We also have a very exciting encounter with an unusual wild mammal deep in the forest. Here's how we got on. So we're, here to, we're talking today really about, well we've come to a forest, we've come to the Forest of Dean, um, because we're getting away from We both work in a very busy office, there's 500 people in that office in the centre of Bristol. We're busy, busy, busy. It's quite nice just to just come out and have a deep breath and talk about some of these issues and why coming out to places like this, you know, we're just walking through a glade here with, everything's just past it a bit, all the um, brambles, bracken, everything's dying down a little bit. It's a lovely feeling of sort of after the Lord Mayor's show, uh, forest just going back to sleep for the winter. It's a lovely, it's valuable in our lives to to have these experiences.
0: Yes, and I think uh, people who spend a lot of time in nature, there are studies that show that they feel more relaxed Um, There's a recent study that came out this year which said that spending two hours a week in nature uh, makes you feel healthier, you're less stressed, and the good news is you don't actually even need to be doing anything, even just sitting in nature for a couple of hours a week.
1: So you don't need to be stomping over hills and sort of pushing yourself to see something amazing or drive miles to go to a beautiful landscape, just being out in nature like we are here, really? 40 minutes from Bristol
0: yeah so yeah just being outside I mean if you're not particularly mobile then you know just finding somewhere nice where you can go in nature to sit that can be beneficial um there are also studies that suggest that even if you just look at pictures of nature that can make you feel up to 60% less stressed which is really interesting so if
1: you were to buy something like the BBC Countryfile magazine yes yeah it be <laughs> <good>. <laughs> um just while we're walking along, so we're going to look at We are here to look for nature as well. There are these, so we're walking along a path that's probably about 80 foot wide, but along the ver- grassy verges, and there are lots of, it looks like someone's been at it with a trowel, uh, but very messily. And these are the rootlings of wild boar. and. Yeah, quite a big population of the
0: they've, they've done quite a bit of damage by the look of it. It looks like somebody's been hacking at it with a trowel or something. Yeah,
1: I mean, they're just after little grubs or roots, anything. They'll eat anything. They're pretty omnivorous. But, um, you know, there's, there's a big population of wild boar in the forest. So if we spot a boar today, that would be... It would probably make my blood pressure rise quite high and be very unmindful, and, but but it would be a wonderful experience.
0: Yes, maybe a little bit scary.
1: <laughs> Hello, good morning. Hi. Good morning. So, being out of nature, you're saying, is good for... What does it do, then? What does it do, sort of, physiologically?
0: Well, it's quite interesting. Um, in Japan, they have something that's called Shinrin-yoku, or it literally translates into English as forest bath. And that's a practice that started there back in the 1980s. They were having problems with office workers getting stressed out and burnt out. Uh, basically. And so they introduced this scheme of, of forest bathing. And there's they've done studies that show that spending time in nature can reduce your blood pressure, it boosts your immune system, it makes you feel less stressed. So there's all these health benefits of being in the forest. Um,
1: do you know how it boosts your immune system? Is it just because it doesn't put so much pressure on your system?
0: I think so. it's, it's partly the fact there's no man-made noises. That's yeah. one aspect. It's, if we stop here, you can't hear very much at all. You can hear maybe a bit of bird
1: song. Yeah, there's a, um, there's a wren or something.
0: Yeah, man-made noises, they do make us feel more right. stressed. Um, another theory is that the trees release something that are called phytoncytes.
1: I think phytocides, I'm saying that wrong. Yes, I've heard this, that there's some yeah. sort of um, chemical released by plants.
0: It's quite interesting actually because we're walking past lots of ferns here and ferns are a good example of fractal.
1: Is it because it provides a sort of order or, I, yeah, so uh, or, a, or some, some, some sort of...
0: Yes, yeah, so it's a natural symmetry which, which we find really appealing, which is quite interesting. That is
1: interesting. L- you... Look
0: at a fern, it'll make you feel better.
1: So we ought to look at serried ranks of conifers I think, oh, that's a nice pattern. Yeah,
0: absolutely. There's <laughs> snowflakes as well.
1: So, you, you mentioned, uh, I've heard about forest bathing. Um, it's something that, how do, you, how do you go for a forest bath?
0: Well, it's quite closely related to mindfulness. So if you were going out for a mindful forest walk, then you 're being aware of your senses
1: it's just a dung beetle here working on some <laughs> just being aware of a little dung beetle working on a rabbit dropping um, sort of rather they do these little compact shiny with a sort of, in the in the light they 've got a petrol petrol sort of colors those metallic sort of metallicy purples and blues yeah
0: oh, actually that's a good example of being mindful you 're noticing something as you walk, uh, which I think is something maybe people don't do um particularly so actually things like photo walking is very good for that so it's going for a walk and looking for new unexpected things that you can take a picture of little details so that's actually a very good way of being mindful when you walk and it's if you love photography it's probably something that you're doing already
1: so you're keeping an eye out for photo opportunities oh absolutely uh, i've got
0: my camera with me
1: right okay um so far as bathing, though, this is a meditative process, and and you don't need to sort of, hurt any special equipment, obviously. No,
0: no, absolutely. So it's something that you can do. You can work through your senses one at a time. So say we're passing a tree here. It's you can take a moment and spend some time touching the tree. So
1: this is a very rough bark. Yeah. Uh, Western hemlock.
0: Yeah. Uh, so just being aware of the sensation of or the bark. Scots
1: pine. Sorry, Scots yeah. pine. Salt. Um,
0: Under your hands. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm getting all
1: stressed about uh, trying to identify it properly but I'm going to let that go now.
0: Yeah, let it let it go and yeah. just just be here in the moment. Okay, so it,
1: it's rough, it's fissured, it's got you can see the work of insects and there are soft lichens over it. Uh, yeah. Actually, once you start to look, there are. Yeah, so Eyes and crevices and all sorts of things. Yeah, there?
0: there's all these things that you can notice in, in the wood. So that was just a small example. Yeah. I mean another so thing you So actually touch do, it. Touch, yep. physical touch, yes. Yeah. Um, but it's also using your other senses, so what can you hear? So what can we hear at the moment?
1: Distant wren.
0: Very distant road, I think. Yeah.
1: Um, a woodpecker there, it's very, very distant.
0: There's not much breeze today. If there was a breeze, we would be able to hear that.
1: There's a gentle whispering in the trees.
0: Yeah, and of course, there's a reason why all these meditation apps have natural soundtracks. It's because it's something that's very soothing.
1: Do we, with these things, they're never silent, are they? Silence is almost too much. No, I you think, need something, don't you?
0: Yes, people can find silence a bit overwhelming. Um, I, we were talking about before the podcast that I've recently done a, a digital detox retreat and part of that was that we went for a silent forest walk and actually some people find it very hard not to talk. Um, so the way that works is that you go for a walk and then you occasionally stop and you just sit and you do nothing. You don't talk to each other, you just do nothing. Just look at What's around you? And how often in life do we stop and do that?
1: I think um, a lot of, there's another dung beetle here, um, they sort of row themselves, they don't, <laughs> they don't really walk, they kind of row themselves across the sort of pine, pine needles and leaf litter. Uh, I think a lot of people, the idea of a digital detox, or maybe you could explain more what a digital detox means, because I think it, from what you explained to me earlier, it would appeal, it certainly appealed to me.
0: Yes, so the, the one I recently went on I spent I went up to Yorkshire, a place called Swinton, which is really beautiful, and I spent a couple of days in staying in a log cabin in the woods. They actually confiscated my phone when I turned up, right. which was a, a little bit creepy because I was staying in this cabin, no electricity, no phone, um, just candles for light. There were some people nearby, but, but not in the cabin with me, so that was a little bit creepy.
1: How would you have raised the alarm? Holler like crazy.
0: <laughs> yes, probably, <laughs> yeah, scream and, and run. Um, but yes, it was interesting because one thing I realised actually is that I didn't miss it as much as I thought I would. I think we're in the habit of checking our phones, but as soon as I realised the phone, oh, the phone's not here, I can't check it, that urge to check... To look for notifications stopped pretty quickly.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, I oh
1: really? It. So how how long? Because that's something that I think many 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 people can relate to. If you own a smartphone, and, and you mentioned earlier, it is it, we, we live in troubled times, and you kind of want to keep in touch with stuff. Yeah. How long does it take? Do you think to just wean yourself off it? Not too long.
0: I think, I think yeah. Well, a couple of, a couple of days for me was enough, which is interesting. Um,
1: so you could do it in a weekend. If absolutely, yeah. To...
0: I mean, you don't even need to go anywhere to do it. You could do a thing called Switch Off Sunday, which is quite yeah. popular, where people they just turn off their phones and devices for the whole day, and maybe you can use that to spend more time doing stuff with your family. Yeah. Um, so I mean, you can tell tell people around you, say, look, I'm doing Switch Off Sunday now. And then they'll know that they can't contact you. It.
1: Do people laugh at that? I mean, there's always a sort of scathing. I suppose if you're off Twitter, <laughs> you don't get scathed at so much. But uh...
0: Yeah, I think, as you were saying um, earlier, news, the constant stream of news, it can make you quite anxious and maybe you're not even aware that it's happening. And um, I think personally, I didn't realise quite how much it was wearing me down until it stopped. Yeah. And then oh, afterwards, it's like, well, it's important to keep in touch with the news. I don't need to be doing it constantly, I can limit it, I can check it a couple of times a day and that's enough. Yes, it does make you feel more relaxed. Well, that's,
1: that's sort of heartening to hear. That it's not so we've sort of come to a dead end but there's a bird hide overlooking a little shallow valley with oak trees and a pond so I suspect a few, it, it's a bit like a waterhole isn't it, I'm, I suspect if you sat here for long enough you'd see wild boar and deer come down to the water. Um, it's a peaceful yeah. scene.
0: So it's quite quiet at the moment, but if it was the spring, what kind of thing would we be expecting to see?
1: You would definitely get lots of, it would be full of birdsong. Um, this is a really good nature reserve for things like red starts and pie flycatchers, which are migrant birds coming from Africa. Really pretty red start. If, it, if it lived here all year round, it would rival the robin for its... In the nation's hearts, I think, because it's just a very—it's got a bandit sort of, sort of bandit mask. Yes. And then a slate head, and, and then this beautiful red body, and it's a love, lovely woodland bird. And the pied flycatcher is all bandit. It's black and white, and flits under the trees. Lots of lots and lots of warblers. You'd have all our native birds singing, so song thrushes, blackbirds. Um, and and to, but once you've got that whole chorus, and this would be a great spot, like a little amphitheatre in the woods, it would be a, a very, very lovely place to spend the morning.
0: Yeah, I think, I think, like a lot of people, I don't actually know particularly what sound what birds make. So if yeah. people wanted to learn more about how to recognise different kinds of bird song, where would be a good place to start? So
1: I, I learnt by um, going to my local park in London. I lived in mm. London at the time, so I didn't have a lot of access to... Um, and I had a CD by a, just, a, a, just a book with a CD, and they still exist, but now you've got apps and all sorts of things. I mean, this is pre app days. There's a green woodpecker in the distance shrieking. Um, and I just would go out and listen and think, and it was sort of day by day I'd build up my wren, oh, all the common ones, learn the common ones first, because they're easy. You can actually see the blackbird singing, you can see a wren singing. And once you've got those and you become familiar, I mean it took me a long time, it took me years and years and years. And then still, there's still lots of, um, I hear sounds in the woods, which I think, gosh, I don't know what that yeah. is, it's embarrassing. But I really like to walk now and just, now I know the bird song, mm-hmm. I can pretty much pick out what's around. I f- I, I'm, I'm always keen to f- spot things, but I'm now just looking for unusual things like you were saying, yeah. photo opportunities, but they're kind of brain opportunities for me. So just picture, there, uh, this is Greenwood Pecker, you now you know Greenwood Pecker. Yes. <laughs> um, I think it takes me half an hour for my brain to relax on the walk and then f- f- going from inward to outward. And I think that's probably mindful in some ways that the sort of inward monologue, as he does a monologue, <laughs> um, <laughs> but the inward monologue and and worries start to become externalised and then I start to look around. And then by, you know, two hours into a walk and I'm absolutely fixated on what's around me. Much less interested in what's happening inside my head.
0: Yeah, so definitely we could all benefit by getting outside a bit more.
1: I think that's, yeah, I'm like a dog, I need to be walked. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But yeah, so how about you? I mean, do you, you live in a city, you live in Bristol?
0: Yes. Yes, do you but
1: managed to
0: escape Bristol. Uh, not as often as I was in, as I would like. But when I go, I go back home to Cornwall, which is where I'm from. I try to spend lots of time outside then, going for coastal walks and that yeah. kind of thing. And yes, I do find that that does make you feel a lot calmer. Because yeah, in Bristol, if I'm going to try and be in nature, there's my garden, which is looking rather wild at the moment, yeah. um, or maybe try and go to a park. But, you know, this is, this is all about being outside and being in a more natural environment. It doesn't have to be in the wilderness for you to have some benefits.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, I mean, even being outside for, I think, 15 minutes a day, that can help your sleep. Really? We, we need natural light to, so for our circadian rhythms. So. Uh,
1: explain more about that, then. So.
0: Yeah, so... Because
1: so, so, f- f- a lot of people, I know lots of people who struggle with sleep... Um,
0: Yeah, it's one of many things that you can do, but it's probably the easiest one.
1: So we we need exposure, we need to be out in daylight, we need to have, it doesn't have to be sunny.
0: Yes, I mean some of this stuff can be be simulated if you've got seasonal affective disorder, people will have um, special lamps that they can use to help them get basically like an equivalent of natural light. Yeah. I mean, there's all sorts of other research you can look at as well in terms of what light affects your sleep. And we had talked about social media. Blue light, is, which you get emitted from devices, is extremely bad for your sleep. So if you have on your phone the option to switch to um, to turn off the blue light, then, then do, especially in the evening. So certainly, I mean, for example, on my computer, I have it set to go off in the evening. So that it switches off at about... Nine o'clock.
1: Right, so no more computer for you. No. No more screen time.
0: No, exactly, it does disrupt your sleep. So yeah, getting outdoors more, that can definitely help you.
1: So We've we've sort of entered, there's a flock of, this time of year, you get lots of small birds going together for safety and for finding food. So there's (laughs) a man-belling. There's small birds high up in the trees, things like great tits. Um, long-tailed tits and cold tits, blue tits, tree creepers, they're all kind of going to interesting call cool, I didn't know what that was.
0: Huh. Should we stop and listen?
1: I think it's a blackbird, actually. Just go towards it. It's just a funny little sub call. the sound you might make with a finger inside your cheek popping away but uh, I think it's a blackbird it's, it's, it's sort of an alarm call but not really alarm call it's just testing this is a robin singing here yeah.
0: surprisingly loud
1: it's lovely though, it's still going robins are about the only give him a little robins are the only birds that keep singing all through winter
0: oh what's the reason for that i don't
1: think everyone really knows this. they definitely like to maintain their territories all the way through and they're also i think that the females also sing it's oh. one of the few species where the males and females sing so the robin's all full of surprises
0: So while it's a beautiful noise, they really are saying, keep off my Keep
1: off, yeah, I'm still here. Get off my land,
0: essentially. I
1: survived the breeding season. Haven't been eaten by a sparrowhawk.
0: Which is funny, because you always think of them as such cute Christmas card birds.
1: Yeah, they're really vicious robins at times. I think if you go the try the nature trail here. Okay. Uh, Yeah, two males can really fight it out in the breeding season. So February, March. So it's not... But in four months' time, three and a half months' time, so late January, early February, they'll be singing, staking their claim. Some <laughs> birds will even be laying eggs in February. So in, spring isn't that far away. Weirdly, it's, and, and that's something you know. Winter time will be harder to get outside. you were mentioning seasonal. Uh, what do you call it? Seasonal affective disorder.
0: Seasonal affective disorder. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So that's. That's one of those things where it's just dark all the time.
0: Yes, but you know, it's the time of year when we slow down, quite naturally, Um, and you know, there's other advantages to the winter, you can spend more time at home, you can do some crafting, you can get your friends to come over and watch some terrible films. (laughs) Um, So, you know, even if you can't get outdoors, there's ways to enjoy the season. Um, Yeah, Interestingly, actually, my sister lived in Norway for a couple of years. And they are basically not phased by the weather at all, the Norwegians. Um, they have a sailing, there's no such thing as bad weather, only bad clothing. Yeah, yeah, okay. And they will, <laughs> even through, like, the, the Arctic night, when everything is dark, for months on end, they'll still be out there skiing. They'll finish work and they'll go out skiing with a head torch. And I think maybe we could learn a bit from that.
1: Be a bit bolder. So, going... Just listening... Probably might not catch it on the audio. It's a nuthatch. This is a sweet chestnut tree, yeah. we see but I can't I can't see any. It's a young one, so there's no no chestnuts here. But it's uh, it's got these amazing serrated leaves. They look really exotic. Um, so they you know they're a good eight inches long, with these sharp, curled, serrated edges. No chestnuts here, though. Oh yes, there's there's um, there's a chestnut husk, and those spikes ah. are so sharp. That is a proper defensive. But yes. it's a bit of a it's it's young chestnuts. So there's not a lot going on.
0: Well, we'll keep an eye out. For yeah, see that.
1: definitely. Um, I mean, we try to um, really encourage people to get out in winter because we definitely notice people drop off. I mean, there's lots of studies showing just how little the countryside is used in winter. The thought of getting cold and wet puts people off, and it's it's a shame because, as you said, some squirrels chasing each other.
0: Yep, they sound like they're having a bit of a scrap.
1: Yeah. They are really going for it. So it's like they're doing this high, high wire act of just running through the tops of these um, yes. oak trees here.
0: So they're like a high speed chase, but yeah. just up in the treetops.
1: Yeah, that's great.
0: I, mean, I, I find with winter walks, sometimes the best bit is actually when you come back in and yeah. you warm up. That's... And you've, your cheeks yeah. are all pink because you've been the, had the wind whipping them. Mm. And it's it's really cozy. And also if you're in Cornwall for example, you have the beaches to yourself. They are empty.
1: Um, but you know you hit the nail on the head with um, that reward of the end of the walk in winter where definitely a fire, probably a pint by a fire. Yes. Something unmeasurable happy, sort of happiness.
0: Yeah, well of course like if you particularly I think the Boxing Day walk is a great tradition, if yeah. you've been cooped up indoors for days, then it's just so good to get outside and
1: stretch your legs. Yeah, that awful sluggishness that you get of of too much food, too much family, (laughs) (laughs) Uh, too much booze, and then, ah, the release into the wild. Yeah, definitely. Um,
0: Yes, I think our old traditions as well recognise this hardship of getting through the winter. That's why you have Christmas, which was Yule before that. Um, and why you have May Day? It's celebrating the return of life, and there's, there's a reason why we have these these celebrations. And I think yeah. people still have the, that desire to welcome spring and to have a bit of light in the dark of winter as well.
1: So do you encourage that through your magazine then, and through your articles? That well, sort of...
0: Christmas isn't always the most mindful time. No. For for everybody, it can be quite stressful and even quite sad um, for a lot of people. Especially if you're affected by loneliness. Mm. And that is a, a big issue at the moment, uh, which affects young people actually the most. There's been studies done that people, I think it's under 25, are the most affected, which is surprising. Um,
1: so loneliness is, that's a tough one to crack because you know, walking, there we go, there's a hatch here. Just landed on this big tree in front of us. It's just gone down there. Um, yeah. how It's
0: yes, ironic because you would think that social media would be making us feel more connected, but yeah. actually it's the opposite, um, and that we're losing our real life connections.
1: Yes, um, that's. So how do you go? How do you? How do you solve that? What What advice do you give? Or I mean, is advice advice the wrong word? You're sort of just showing people a way forward. What... Uh... There, well,
0: there are d- there are different things you can do. I think uh, some cafes are particularly are starting to recognise this, and they'll have um, special tables where they're like a chatting table. So oh, if you right. sit down Chatty there, like, yes. Um... So if you sit down at this table, you can expect to have a chat. Yeah. yeah. And you know, people can also get more out of their, you know, just their everyday interactions. You know, when you are at the shops or
1: mm.
0: you know people you run into that kind of thing. But it's also making more of an effort to actually see people face-to-face. Yeah. Those real connections are actually quite meaningful. Um, but there's other things you can do. You can do volunteering. If you're into crafting, you know, find a, a stitching group that you can join. I think if you're feeling lonely, it could be hard to make those first steps. But, but I think in general, cutting down on devices, and so, yeah, spending more time outdoors, among other things, is really beneficial
1: yeah i found that i mean i love walking alone um because it i mean it's more that i can concentrate more on nature and i never I never ever felt lonely on a walk apart from maybe if i've done a really really long walk and it's still five miles to the pub <laughs> and it's getting dark uh, it's I can start to get a bit uneasy certain despondency creeps in yeah um, that's mainly fatigue and but then it's easier to be to suffer on your own than it is to to be in a group of people who are all feeling like you, can, you can, When a group of people starts morale starts to go, yeah, and you feel like you've got to carry them the last four miles. Uh, no. <laughs> yeah,
0: and it's interesting you mentioned walking by yourself because that can be quite um, a meditative exercise. Very,
1: very much. Very you much know, so, I yeah. mean.
0: There's a reason why monks used to be off by themselves in silent contemplation. There are definite benefits. I mean, actually, the woods are a great place if you wanted to stop and do some meditation. It's very, very easy to do, so.
1: I think it'd be hard to feel lonely in these woods. These trees are so characterful. They're surrounded by oaks at the moment and a couple of really tall ashes.
0: Beautiful sort of rusty colors in the leaves. Yeah. It's very pretty.
1: Robin singing. It's a really sort of it's a totally benign feeling here sort
0: of. yeah, which I and mean, it's interesting because a lot of people feel actually uncomfortable in the woods. I think you know some people always find the woods a little bit frightening.
1: That must be lack um, of familiarity with yes with...
0: and I think the brothers Grimm have quite a lot to. Answer <laughs> right for.
1: okay, so so mer- so it's uncomfortable because they think there, there could be ghost goblins and 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 wicked people
0: yes. I mean and certainly uh, okay, I wouldn't recommend I wouldn't certainly wouldn't recommend listening to if you listen to true crime podcasts you might be a bit more frightened of the woods um, uh, yeah, <laughs> in which case yeah. maybe you should uh, yeah. there's
1: bad things happen in woods but um,
0: but those come from people not from nature
1: yeah there's a wild boar
0: oh oh there's a couple of them
1: this is the first time for me wild boar in the forest of deer. that's amazing
0: yeah so they're quite a way off
1: yeah. from us 150 yards ahead I'd say they're quite small, those two. I'd say that she's young. That's amazing. That's brilliant. Didn't, I didn't expect to see them.
0: Yes. It, it...
1: They are They're pigs, obviously, but they're dark brown, kind of quite hairy. Um, they're not bothered by us. I think we are downwind from them at the moment. And they don't think they have brilliant hearing. And they keep crossing and recrossing the path ahead. I'm sure we'll see more often. Ah, fantastic! That's actually a first for me. Wild boar in the wild in Britain. Mm. So very exciting, uh, Sarah! You're a lucky charm. Yeah, these are tiddlers. but the mum might be around. So acorns crashing from the from the canopy around. So they're probably feeding as as they would have done for millennia on the on the acorns at the moment.
0: So how many wild boar are there in the UK? Do you have any boar. idea?
1: I don't know the national statistics. I think there are hundreds in the Forest of Dean, if not thousands now. Um, they are a problem for people with lawns, definitely. They get into gardens and they trash lawns because they love eating all the little bulbs and roots. And they'll eat beetle larvae and crane fly larvae. So they just scurried off. Maybe they. These birds. Uh, the black bears are doing alarm calls, which the boar might have twigged. Um, so, yeah, so there's, there's hundreds in the forest. They, they are a problem. There are people who are licensed to shoot them, and in shops in towns around forest, mm-hmm. you can buy wild boar meat, which is really cool. Um, I think it's a good way of harvesting. You know, the, the forest can support quite large numbers. It is a controversial subject. Lots of people, there, there are two. Battle lines drawn up: those who mm-hmm. want the wild boar left alone, and those who want the wild boar got rid of. Yeah. Um, generally it's people with nice gardens and farms and that sort of thing. Who, yeah. uh, so there's probably a happy medium where you can control the numbers yeah. and f- feed people, but uh, even even that point of view would be controversial. By yes. they, they, they fill a niche in. Our woodlands. And one of the interesting things is that they have they form partnerships with things like robins. Oh. Well, rob, robins, it's not partnership, the robins. I thought I saw a robin hanging around near those wild boar. And when they're rootling around, the robin will come down and eat the worms, rather like when we're digging ah, in the garden. I see, yes. So there's that relationship which we often think is, oh, robins love us humans, but they've been doing it for tens of thousands of years before we turned up. So the boar... It's
0: like they've long gone now.
1: The, yeah. Uh, the, the, they the, might be nearby. Yeah, they can probably hear us. They're probably just further down the track. But no, we're, we're, we're now at the spot where the boar were. That's fantastic. I mean, really, I'm de- so delighted to kind of catch catch a glimpse of boar in the dean.
0: Yeah. So what other wildlife would we be likely to see around here, or even maybe here that we, that we won't see?
1: Um, as There's I think you loads of badger. deer. Deer, lots of deer in, in the forest, deer, mostly roe deer. But deer are com- common, not as common in somewhere like the New Forest, where deer are everywhere. And you, mm. and you get really big herds of so things like fallow deer, which are big animals. Roe deer are, are you know, the size of a very large dog and quite elusive. They'll slip through the forest. Um, badges, loads of badges here, foxes, um, all the, ah, now one thing you will start to see or, yeah. or hear more about in Forestine is um, pine martens, there's been a ah, release of pine yes. martens, 20 released in here, um, about, <laughs> it's a pine martens lunch which is a grey squirrel, uh, pine martens really like grey squirrels, oh. grey squirrels have been a, a problem for foresters so as well.
0: Bad news for grey squirrels, but.
1: But, but good news for good news red for... squirrels because um, not that there are any red squirrels here at the moment, but the idea is that pine martens will re establish themselves. So pine martens look a bit like very large weasels, long, thin <laughs> um, hunters, short legs, big tails, kind of little foxy faces, and they can climb trees and chase, chase squirrels. Oh, there's four again. Just ah, yes. Uh, they're, we're much closer now. You can actually hear them. I
0: think
1: they may have seen us. Yes, yeah, three, four. They're not too bothered, they definitely saw us. That amazing. You can hear sort of rustles and footsteps. No, they're scurrying around. Still one there. There he goes. These are youngsters
0: there's
1: three of them yeah they're not too bothered just crossing the path it's like uh, it's lovely because they're so unusual I mean these are the size of like a little Staffy, Staffordshire bull terrier I'd say not too big not too big at all um, there's something behind us though oh, there's a squirrel
0: Starting to jump at small noises Well
1: that's it, now we're being surrounded and we're being watched by lots of different animals uh, So yeah, pine martens, that's a big thing Another thing, the the more I think about frosting, there are beavers here, but they're in an enclosure so there's there's a boar right in the path ahead of us just over the hump Can't see the mother, but maybe they've left. They've left home now, or they've left her. her, her sort of, they're big enough to look after themselves. Um, so there are beavers in the forest of Dean, and they're being. They're, they're part of a project, to, to help. Um, sorry, I'm being distracted by lots of little movements. It's lovely, actually. This suddenly feels like there's life everywhere. Um, so beavers are being used as a p- flood prevention project because some of these little rivers that run through the forest gush towards the River Severn and when they're in spate, so when they've you know there's been a lot of rain, they can flood some of the villages in the valley and they were thinking of spending millions in some hard engineering, so um, culverts and dams and weirs and all sorts, but instead they spent Relatively small amount of money on bringing a family of beavers. I think it's just two at the moment, but two beavers can, and what they'll do is dam the streams and and, and the amount of water they can hold back with their dams. Oh. Two beavers can make sort of thirty or forty dams, and they'll hold back so much water. And so far, it's working, and it's been uh, it's, it's been quite exciting for the. I mean, it's early days, but exciting for local people to realise that there's some animals working for them in the forest, keeping their houses dry.
0: It's interesting, it's natural flood defences.
1: Yeah, and and it's being trialled more and more. But um, they're not on the loose in the forest, as far as I know. (laughs) But there are lots of beaver populations around Britain. Um, Feral, wild beavers that uh, have appeared. No one knows quite how they've appeared. So this is a bit of a quagmire. This is probably a good boar wallowing hole. And, uh, so the forest is, is quite, yeah, it's quite boggy in parts. And that's where we left it. A thoroughly satisfying autumn walk in the forest with the first ever sighting of a wild boar in the wild for me. Thank you to Sarah for her wise words about mindfulness and how we can all find more peace and calm in the countryside. As I mentioned, Sarah works for In The Moment magazine, which also has its own podcast, and that has lots of suggestions about how to meditate, how to take more time, and to find that sort of peace and magic, uh, peace of mind that we all need. And it's available on Acast and the Apple Podcast app. They have a great website too, which is calmmoment.com. If you'd like to have your say on the issues we discussed in this podcast, please do email me at editor at countryfire.com and your comments could appear in our lovely print magazine, which you can buy in most big supermarkets and newsagents. I really hope you enjoyed this podcast, wild bore and all. Uh, and until next time, catch up with all your countryside needs at our website, countryfire.com. Thanks so much for listening and goodbye for now.